never found it. Try to sell it, never sell out of it. I probably only sell one. Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm Awad here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, back here on a Tuesday, February 13th, and we've got a lot to get to on the show today. I still have more reactions from the Super Bowl. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach, but just bad in the final game of the season. This is now three times that he's blown a lead in the second half, and we're hearing more and more that the 49ers were just completely ill-prepared for overtime. So we'll talk about that on NFL Hits. NBA post-trade deadline. Who will make the power move in the standings? Go around the NBA on the fast break with AWOD. Some college hoops. Virginia Tech and UVA in action tonight. You can hear that right here on 910 The Fan. And with the NHL, we have an update on the OV tracker. He's been on fire in February, and the Caps have another game tonight. But where are they at with their playoff chances? Got some special guests joining the show today. VCU Ram Nation's Matt Shelton Eide will join us at 2 p.m. We'll go around local sports with Lane Casadante as he joins us every Tuesday at 1.30. And National College Hoops reporter Kevin Sweeney will join the show at 12.30. But you know how we like to start the show every day by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world with the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. So the Kansas City Chiefs overtime win against the 49ers in the Super Bowl on Sunday was the most watched telecast of all time. Yes, the network announced earlier today the game averaged a total of 123.4 million viewers across all CBS platforms. And how about this? CBS made an extra 50 million because the game went to overtime. So they sold all this ad revenue that was extra and then got to use it because the game went to overtime. So the most watched telecast in history, Super Bowl 58, 123.4 million viewers. CBS led the way with 120 million. It was the most streamed Super Bowl in history by a lead record-setting audience on Paramount+. Plus. Stubb was one of those people watching on Paramount+. Plus. More than 200 million viewers watched all or part of the Super Bowl across all networks. The highest unduplicated total audience in history. That's up 10% from last year's big game. As 200 million people saw Kyle Shanahan blow it. In overtime, here's fullback Kyle Juszczyk explaining to the media just the plan the 49ers had in overtime and the confusion. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really – I don't totally know the strategy there. I guess that's not the case. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess that's you're building the case for Kyle Shanahan not knowing the overtime rules here as we move over to the NBA on the sports app. The Cavs, Cleveland had been the hottest team in the NBA, winners of nine straight until they ran into the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid as the Sixers hang on at the buzzer to end the Cavs' nine-game win streak, 123-121. to 121. Here's the final call on ESPN. And here we go. Cavs have to get it in. 
It's Donovan Mitchell. Who brings on him? Mitchell drives. Double clutches. It's blocked by Reed. Garland! Oh. <laughs> Sixers hang on. And beat the Cavaliers tonight by the final of 123. 121. Milwaukee Bucks have their first win streak under new head coach Doc Rivers. The Greek freak Giannis Atentiacumpo, big 36-point double-double helping the Bucks defeat last year's NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets, 112-95. Giannis, 36 points, 18 rebounds. Here's Giannis helping the Bucks extend their lead on WTMJ. It doesn't sound good. Giannis has it. Crossing over on Jokic into a swarm of defenders and lays it in with a right hand anyway. Giannis said after the game, it feels good. I've said this. It does. Me personally, I don't care. I don't mind if we're stuck two in a row. If we win five in a row. If we've struck ten in a row, that means nothing to me. I just love when the team is heading towards the right direction as they have been better defensively under head coach Doc Rivers, and they also added Patrick Beverly at the trade deadline. Speaking of the trade deadline, The Athletic has a really interesting report yesterday about the Washington Wizards and a phone call that they had with the Dallas Mavericks. Kuzma of the Washington Wizards told The Athletic there was a point in time when the Dallas Mavericks, he says, they definitely wanted me said Michael Winger, the president of basketball operations, presented me with what the trade was and obviously didn't want to trade me and kind of left the decision up to me a little bit and asked me what I wanted to do. I told him I wanted to stay in Washington and continue to build something, and that was kind of the end of it. Winger called the Mavericks back and said the deal was off the table. As the Mavs and Wizards faced off last night, Lucas... 10th triple double of the season as they win 122 to 104. 10th triple double for Luka, and it was Kyrie Irving for two to give the Mavs an eight point lead in the third quarter. Here's the call on 97 1, the freak. Jones left to right around Washington, back to his left hand, threw it off the board, only rebound to Cleveland, to Doncic, and Kyrie's got a run out, lays it in, timeout Washington. 110 to 102. One of the biggest stories in the NBA this season has been Spurs rookie Victor Wembanyama. Well, last night he had his second triple double, but his first with 10 blocks. Yeah, 10 blocks in the triple double. He finished the game with 27 points, 14 rebounds, five assists. That's usually how you get a triple triple double, but 10 blocks all in just 29 minutes, he is the first player with 10 blocks and 5 assists in under 30 minutes played, according to ESPN stats and information. Here's Greg Popovich, coach of the San Antonio Spurs, after the game on Wemby's triple-double. Uh, he did a little bit of everything. Uh, obviously, he's a, you know all-around talented player. Uh, you got a great feel for the game, and you know it shows in a variety of ways. Whether he's passing or making decisions, blocking shots, it doesn't matter. Incredible triple double with ten blocks. I mean, I just I can't even wrap my head around those stats. He is going to be a dominant player in the near future in the NBA. And speaking of dominant players, the most dominant basketball player to ever step on the court, most people would argue, Shaquille O'Neal. Well, he will be the first player in history to have his jersey retired by the Orlando Magic tonight. Let's move over to the NHL on the sports app.
Every day on the Sports app, we track Alex Ovechkin's hunt for history. He needs 59 goals to tie Wayne Gretzky's career, 894. Ovi sitting at 835, needs 60 to become the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. He's already scored three times in February, and will have another chance to add to his tally tonight as the Caps face off against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we'll close out the sports app with College Hoops. So last night you had a really interesting college basketball game that featured the Duke Blue Devils. And look, Duke has Really started playing well as of late. I think they're going to be a team to watch when it gets to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Obviously, UNC leading the way in the ACC. But here's Duke with a win last night thanks to Kyle Filipowski's big game. Here's the call on ESPN. We approach six minutes to play. Roach holding out near the center circle with 12 to shoot. A crossover. Room to shoot. In the paint. Fed it to flip. And he goes up and scores with the right hand. Held off the defender with the left. And he's got 19. In the ACC tonight, Pittsburgh at UVA. That's a 7 p.m. tip off. Florida State at Virginia Tech. Hokies and Hoos both have home games. Hokies, 9 p.m. tonight is when you can hear the call of that one. VCU with the week off before traveling to St. Louis for a Friday night A-10 affair. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Full lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Oh, Furman got a hand on it. Jackson comes away. VCU going left to right. Jackson in transition. Layup. Give it to him. South Jackson. He'll go coast to coast. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for VCU Hoops Ram Nation. You know you can hear every game right here on 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. That was Robbie Robinson on the call as VCU came away with a big win at the Siegel Center over the Dayton Flyers. Now they've got all week to prepare for a road trip to St. Louis as I've already made my plans for Brooklyn for this year's Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament. And, of course, uh, we'll be broadcasting live from there for three straight days. It's going to be a ton of fun uh, presented by the Red Door guys going back up to Brooklyn for the A-10 Conference Tournament. So that's where we will begin with conference standings here on University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, buzzer beaters, madness. All the college basketball in the state of Virginia. We'll follow your favorite teams all season long. University Drive on AWOD Radio. So top of the standings in the A-10 is the Richmond Spiders still sitting at 9-1, 17-6 on the season. They bounced back from the defeat to VCU with a win over LaSalle. They will host UMass at the Robin Center tomorrow at 7 p.m. Uh, like we talked about with Michael Phillips last week, the schedule is in Richmond's favor for them to stay atop of the A-10 standings, holding a half-game lead 
On number 16 in the country, the 9-2 Dayton Flyers. Dayton obviously coming off of the loss to VCU uh, over the weekend. They will face off against Duquesne tonight at home, uh, and then Fordham comes to Dayton on Saturday. So two games this week for Dayton, who's 9-2. Loyola Chicago, after struggling last year in their first season in A-10 conference play, has really been strong this year. They're 9-2 and currently the three-seed. VCU sits at 8-3. and three. They're the four-seed. Still has a, possibility, a, a chance to win the A-10 conference with games left against Dayton and Richmond. Uh, but most likely, they will be a top four seed in Brooklyn, which is important because you avoid having to play on Wednesday. In fact, you can lock in a double bye, avoid the game Tuesday and Wednesday because they have a full two-game lead on the fifth and sixth place teams, which are a tie right now between St. Joseph's and UMass. George Mason, which gave the Rams a scare in Fairfax, is 5-6. and six. Three schools are tied for 5-6. and six. In fact, it's the Patriots, the Rhode Island Rams, and the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. VCU does not want to have to face off against the Bonnies again this season after they've already beaten them twice. Towards the bottom half of the standings, you have Duquesne, Fordham, GW struggling. They've lost six straight. They were 3-1 and one in the conference, now sitting at 3-7. and seven. Dayton 3-7, and seven, and your final two squads are St. Louis and LaSalle, both teams 2-9. and nine. So VCU will face off against the 2-9 and nine St. Louis Billikens, but that's not going to be an easy test in St. Louis. That'll be Friday night um, from Shavitz Arena there in St. Louis. Let's move over to the ACC as we talk a little who's on University Drive. So UVA moved up to number 21 in the country. Eight straight wins for Tony Bennett's squad. They're now sitting pretty Tied for second place in the ACC with the Duke Blue Devils at 10-3. and three. We mentioned it, UVA at home with a game tonight that you can check out right here at Odyssey Richmond. Available to stream on the Odyssey app as they host Pittsburgh. Coached by former VCU coach Jeff Capel. And I will say... It's been a decent season for Pittsburgh. They've turned it on as of late. They've won three straight. They were three and six in the conference. Now jumped the standings up to fifth place with six and six uh, overall in, in the ACC. They've got the Twins down low. They've got a couple big scores. Um, so it's not going to be an easy test for UVA. But the way UVA has been playing defensively, I like their chances in the last. Five games, they have allowed opponents to score only 52, 53, 65, 38 to Miami, and then 76 to Florida State, in which they won a high-scoring affair. Reese Beekman leads the way offensively, 13.8 points per game, and adding 6.1 assists. He's also the best shooter on the outside for UVA this season, shooting 44.7% from the field as look this is a, a UVA team that is 61st in the nation in assists per game 15.9 assists per game they don't score that much though 65.8 points per game that puts them at 393rd the good thing is only giving up 57.7 points per game that is one of the tops in the country they have really locked down defensively as they do every year I, I just think the key for UVA as they move towards the end of the season, ACC Conference Tournament, which will be played in Washington, D.C., so they should have a good amount of who's nation there to support them. 
uh, I do think it is a consistent third scorer outside of Beekman and Ryan Dunn. Statistically, that's been Isaac McNeely, but to me, McNeely is like boom or bust because he's such a big three-point shooter. He'll have, you know, either an 18-point game or a nine-point game. He's coming off of a 29-point performance against Florida State in which he hit five of seven from the three-point line. Let's talk a little Hokies here on University Drive. So, Virginia Tech has lost three straight games to fall to 5-7 and seven in the ACC and has an interesting game tonight that's going to be 9 p.m. at home but against Florida State. Late tip-off against a good offensive team in Florida State. I don't think there's going to be much defense played in this game. I think I'm going to say right now it's a race to 80 points will win this game. Both teams are athletic. Both teams run up and down the court. The Hokies need a big game from Sean Padula. In their last loss against Notre Dame, uh, you know there's a few issues you can point to. Number one, when the Hokies shoot below 35% from three, they lose games. Number two, just way too many turnovers. Padula has been great offensively this season in terms of scoring and assisting the ball. But he's too ball dominant, played 33 minutes, and had six turnovers. That's just too many for your point guard. You need a positive assist-to-turnover ratio, not a negative one, six turnovers, the three assists. Hunter Couture was great shooting the ball from the outside, 18 points, but kind of similar to UVA, the Hokies lack a third scorer in their starting lineup. Off the bench, Malajal Poteet has been great all season long, right? He's their glue guy, a hustler, great defender, good rebounder, and he can score the ball when they drive and dish to him because he's good at finishing around the basket. He had 14 points, but they need Robbie Barron or Tyler Nickel to be a double-digit scorer if the Hokies are going to win against Florida State tonight and then get some momentum as they go towards conference play. It has been a really up-and-down season, a season that had a four-game win streak and then a two-game losing streak, a three-game win streak and now a three-game losing streak as this is the top Toughest test of the schedule for the Hokies. So Florida State at home tonight, 9 p.m. tip-off. You've got to win that game. Then you're at number seven, North Carolina, before Virginia comes to town. That game will be next Monday night, February 19th, as we are about one month away from conference play. We mentioned the A-10 conference tournament in Brooklyn. Well, there are three good A-10 games tonight. You've got Duquesne at Dayton. I expect Dayton uh, to handle the Duquesne Dukes easily, uh, but Duquesne has surprised people with a few wins this season. They can score the ball, so maybe if they have a great offensive game, they have a chance. I think Dayton wins, probably covers the 8.5-point spread. Both George Mason and GW are desperate for a win. Mason hosting GW from Eagle Bank Arena in Fairfax, Virginia. That's 7 p.m. tonight, only on ESPN+. And then LaSalle at Davidson. Lastly, here in College Hoops on University Drive, uh, we will go around all of College Hoops with Kevin Sweeney, College Basketball Insider, next. But you do have a few good top 10 matchups. You've got number four, Marquette. 
Golden Eagles, coached by Shaka Smart. They are at Butler from Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Marquette's favor to win that road game by four and a half as they have been on fire as of late in the Big East. They've moved up to number four in the country. Number seven, UNC on the road at Syracuse. I expect them to handle the Orangemen. And then Iowa State. A team that VCU had a 15-point lead against with two minutes to go in the first half before losing that one in Orlando will be at Cincinnati uh, for a good matchup there in the Big 12 in Ohio. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open throughout the show. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We'll run around local sports at 1.30 with Lane Casadante. Talk VCU hoops with Matt Shelton at 2 p.m. But it's Kevin Sweeney to continue our college basketball discussion next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. If you think that Kyle Shanahan is the reason the 49ers are not Super Bowl champions, give us a call, 833-804-0910. If you have any thoughts on the Commander's offseason, VCU hoops, or anything else that we discuss here daily on The Fan, give us a call, 833-804-0910. You can always tweet us throughout the show, at AWOD Radio. Or at 910TheFan. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. We'll continue our college basketball discussion right now. Joining us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, National College Hoops reporter Kevin Sweeney. What's going on, Kevin? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Let's get right into it. I know you usually travel to a ton of games. What's the best team you've seen in person this season? You know, I've seen Purdue and UConn, who have you know certainly separated themselves a little bit nationally. I still believe Purdue is the best team in the country. They have Zach Eady, the National Player of the Year, but you know, really the difference this year is Braden Smith, who last year was more of a game manager at point guard. This year, to me, he's maybe the best point guard in all of college basketball. He's, mm. he's just been tremendous. And, and so, when you have that combination, right? If you could start a team with an elite point guard and elite center, you'd be pretty happy with that result. That's what Purdue has. Kevin Sweeney with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You know, there was all this talk in the offseason about all these major transfers. Is there one or two guys that you'd point to as being a total success? I think most people would probably argue Hunter Dickinson, right? Yeah, certainly Hunter's been what you'd expect. I think given his track record at Michigan, it was you know almost a guarantee that he would be incredibly productive. You know, I think the, the other big-name transfer – was a guy who probably flew a little bit under the radar, was a highly recruited transfer, but maybe not the name uh, that, that other guys had. Dalton Connect, uh, who yeah. went up at Tennessee, transferred from Northern Colorado, has been one of the best players in the SEC. A big wing who can really shoot, ha- has become a bona fide first-round draft pick in the NBA uh, coming up this summer, potentially even a top 20, maybe even a lottery pick. He's been been huge for a Tennessee team with, with high aspirations. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Tennessee because uh... – They've been the best defensive team that I've seen play this season. They're always really good on that end of the floor and, um, you know, have, have great rim protection. Um, you know, certainly Houston would be in that conversation as well defensively. But I think that the difference for Tennessee this year is that they can really score, right? In the, in the past, when you think about the March struggles that they've had under Rick Barnes, they've, they've had to grind it out in games. And this year, certainly they can do that, but – you know, they've also scored with a lot of teams. They're top 15 in Ken Palm offense. Uh, Connect is a big part of that. Sakai Ziegler, their point guard, a big part of that. 
Uh, they play four guards now, which is something that you know they haven't really done under under Barnes. So uh, I think they've got a great recipe and a real chance to to push for a Final Four. Follow Kevin on social media at CBB underscore Central College Hoops for Sports Illustrated. Check out his work, SI.com. What would you argue has been the best conference in college basketball this season? Yeah, I still think it's the Big 12. Look, I mean, obviously realignment has changed things a little bit. 14 teams this year instead of 10. But, you know, Houston has come into the league and immediately been arguably the best team. And then you trickle down from there and you have BYU, one of the new entrants, who's top 15 in Ken Palm, and Cincinnati's a potential NCAA tournament team. You add that to the, the staples in this league, Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, Iowa State is having a phenomenal year. and you know, the, Just the depth in this league is, is off the charts. Kevin, what about the best coach this season? I, I've kind of admired the job that Shaka Smart has done this year at Marquette. I mean, Shaka's done an unbelievable job, obviously, retaining that roster. Uh, they were so good last year, and you know, it's so hard in this day and age to uh, to do that. And I think he's done a great job of keeping the, the chemistry intact. In to me, I'm making a national coach of the year right now. It's Lamont Paris at South Carolina, coming completely out of nowhere. Uh, last year, they were really, really bad in this first season as head coach, dealing with, you know, just a lot of outside stuff. Gigi Jackson was the, you know, elite high school player in the state. He comes to, to town. All this excitement just wasn't ready to contribute, and, and it put them in a really difficult position. Uh, this year, just kind of rebuilt it with transfers. Nobody flashy, uh, but but a great example of a team that the, the whole is a lot greater than the sum of the parts. And uh, to be twenty one and three, nine and two in the league says everything about the job that, that Paris has done in South Carolina. We got Kevin Sweeney with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio on 910 The Fan in Richmond, Virginia. So let's get to some of the local schools that we cover here, Kevin. We'll start with UVA. What are your thoughts on Tony Bennett's squad, winners of eight in a row? I mean, they're surging at the right time. Uh, I think a month ago I would have been really concerned about where this team was. You know, they just didn't look very talented. And we're getting blown out on the road by you know Notre Dame and Wake Forest and you just started to question, like, was this a year that they could make the NCAA tournament? Now, not only do I think they'll make it, I think they're going to make some noise because you know, they've just kind of found their stride defensively, uh, have a little bit more interior punch here lately by putting Jordan Minor, the Merrimack transfer, into the rotation. And, you know, they're, they're veteran guards, you know, led by Reese Beekman, obviously gives you a chance to, to make some noise. So, you know, I, I think they're playing as well as any team in the ACC right now. Um, NCAA tournament-wise right now, probably mocked as you know, a 7, 8, 9 seed in, in the big dance, but you know, some upward mobility there if they continue to win. Yeah, I think they could probably get as high as 4 or 5 maybe. How about the, the rest of the ACC? How many schools will make the big dance? Probably 4 or 5. You know, mm-hmm. Carolina, Duke, uh, Clemson, and Virginia are in great position right now. Not a lot of other teams really emerging. Wake Forest is, is the best hope. Uh, they've looked the part for the most part, but haven't delivered that big win yet. They have a big game Saturday at Virginia. Blue out Virginia at home. If they can win that game at ho- on the road, I think it would vault them into the NCAA tournament. But for now, just on the wrong side of the bubble. And then a lot of these teams have a lot of work to do to, to get back into the mix. Miami, obviously, struggling a little bit off of the Final Four, 6-7 and seven in the league. They'd have to really turn it on. Pittsburgh has the road win at Duke, but the overall resume pretty lacking at the moment. You know, there's time, right? But at, at some point, these teams are going to have to make a run if, if, if there's a team other than Wake 
who's on the bubble right now who wants to, to really make a push towards the big dance. Yeah, it feels like the Hokies are, are going to have to get hot and win the conference tournament there in Washington, D.C. Uh, do, you, do you give them any chance to get a bid if they could you know, steal a road win at North Carolina and then beat UVA when they come to Blacksburg next week? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I forgot to mention them. that they're, they're still in the conversation because they actually accomplished something in the non-conference. I mean, mm-hmm. that neutral court win over Iowa State is massive, and even before that, you know, to have beaten Boise, who's a potential NCAA tournament team out of the Mountain West. I mean, that's that's big time stuff. Yeah, and, and so, Kevin, they had South yeah. Carolina. They had that game, and then they lost by two. Yeah. yeah, you just can't let those slip. I mean, it's good, you know, good proof. Obviously, every game matters. At the time it it felt like a bad loss. Now it's a it's brutal that you didn't get it to top the resume. Um, but look, yeah, they they have to turn it on. Obviously, the Notre Dame loss over the weekend was was not good. Uh, but, but you can find a way to win something like that on the road to Carolina, on the road of, at, at you know Virginia or home of Virginia. Excuse me, like win those types of games, and you're right back in the conversation. We are nine ten. The fan Richmond's home of VCU basketball. The Rams eight and three, but it's the Richmond Spiders atop of the A ten at nine and one. Did that ca- uh, catch you by surprise at all? Yeah, look, I, I saw Richmond earlier in January when they came to Chicago and played at Loyola, and they just have. They just have a winning DNA and a good recipe, right? They're not the most talented team in the Atlantic 10 by a long shot, but Jordan King has just been phenomenal. And you, you add him to Neil Quinn, and you know, these wings really are, are willing to get down and defend, and you piece that together, and you have a chance to win games in a league that's very wide open. Uh, so much has been defined by close games. And really, I mean, if you look at Richmond and Loyola, the two big surprises in the Atlantic 10, those teams have been awesome in close games. Yeah. And if you continue to do that, you're going to have an opportunity to, to play deep into March. So Richmond's certainly a big surprise and, and huge credit to Chris Mooney because I think a lot of people thought this would be a really rough year instead, uh, you know, opportunity to potentially win the league. Yeah, and as for VCU, let me pat us on the back a little bit here. Of the four teams in the top four in the A-10, Richmond, Dayton, Loyola, and VCU, the Rams have beaten all of them. Their only losses came to St. Bonaventure and GW in conference play, so it feels like the Rams do have a chance to end up winning the A-10 regular season still with games against Richmond and Dayton again. But what are your thoughts on this conference? Is this a two-bid league, maybe even one bid, if somebody outside of Dayton wins? Yeah, Dayton is relatively secure in their path to the NCAA tournament. Um, they will go, you know, save for a massive collapse. Everyone else, I think, has a lot of work to do, right? Like, I, I think VCU, Loyola, and Richmond, to be serious at-large contenders, would probably have to come close to winning out the rest of the way in the regular season. And at that point, you kind of look at it and you're like, would I rather win three games in the Atlantic 10 tournament or eight in February, right? Like, I think realistically the best path for all those teams is that, that conference tournament. I think two bids is the most likely outcome. Someone taking down Dayton in the league tournament uh, and getting that second bid for the conference. But I think it's going to be hard out large-wise just because you know, some of the lack of accomplishment in, in the non-league. Obviously, VCU is you know, piecing it together with a new team, but that home loss to Norfolk will hurt them. Um, you know, Richmond didn't do a ton in the non-league, right? Like new, neutral UNLV, okay, fine, like, Wichita is obviously slumped, but that's not a game you wanted to lose looking back on it. But, you know, and Loyola had some, some trip-ups as they were incorporating a lot of the new transfers and things like that. So the, the non-conference did not do the A-10 too much justice, and because of that, I think it's going to be hard for – for teams outside of Dayton to get in without winning the league tournament. Yeah, I, I totally. I mean, the Rams had Iowa State and had Memphis. Those would have been huge for VCU. That's Kevin Sweeney. Follow him on social media at CBB underscore Central. What have you been working on that you want to promote? 
Uh, you know, been starting up our bracketology over at SI. You can check that out, uh, SI.com. And then, um, you know, a lot of other kind of bigger picture stuff. I wrote a feature play a week ago about John L. Davis, the, uh, the star at FAU, who yeah. obviously got on a lot of radars last March and I think has a chance to, to be on even more radars this March. Yeah, I, I saw them in Orlando. Uh, so much talent, and he is so much fun to watch. Uh, just an amazing crossover. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's been a great marriage for FAU and a uh, kid who's pretty easy to root for. Got a great story, so check that one out. Awesome. Kevin, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yep, that's Kevin Sweeney. Follow him, CBB underscore Central. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Let's go about out to the phone lines. We've got Jerry in New Kent. What's going on, Jerry? Hey, I have an idea. I heard the, the guys this morning on the Junkie Show talking about Purdy, and I remember one of them saying, well, I think he was speaking for for the command, he was acting like he was speaking for the commander. He said, "Give us Purdy, you know." <laughs> and my idea is, let's do that. Let's give them that draft choice that everybody talks about, and we take Purdy. That's my suggestion. You want us to give up the number two overall pick for the guy that was drafted last in the NFL, Mister Irrelevant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's proven himself as a winner. He's definitely a winner, but I, here's what I would argue, is that I think that a guy like Caleb Williams, even a Drake May, has more upside than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's been good. He's been a, a winner, but a lot of people would still argue he's a game manager. He was great in the Super Bowl, don't get me wrong, but there were times this season where he let the 49ers down. Without Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, I think he's just an average quarterback. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, because Caleb seems to be everything I've read about Caleb is he's a little bit of a head case. Yeah, he fingernails and he does all this other crap. I mean, if you're going to take, if you're going to put that pick, take Drake. No, there's but, certainly uh, a lot of red flags with Caleb Williams that people have brought up. Here's one thing I would argue: Caleb Williams was the best quarterback in college football this season by far on third down. He had more touchdowns than anyone, more yards than anybody, and less interceptions on third down. That, that's a guy that I like. I, I get what you're saying, though. Why would we take a shot on a rookie when we could get a proven winner, right? That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm look, looking at. I'm with you, man. Old, you remember, if you were around, George Allen used to do that. He'd pick all the old veterans, and they wound up going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think the the issue is, Jerry, is that we've been looking for a quarterback for 30 years to call our own. We need a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Purdy's a Niners guy, you know. <laughs> all right. Sounds yeah. good. Yep. Good call, Jerry. Appreciate you chiming in. Eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the Fan. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, back in studio here in Richmond, Virginia. Stubb doing our first in-person show in basically two weeks. Yeah, 12 days. I know. I could tell you missed me. I did. I did. (laughs) I I hate being all alone in here. Yeah, right? You were alone. It's it's lonely. Doing the show. Uh, but you worked so hard during Super Bowl week. I wanted to uh, to give you credit for that. Uh, you know, a little behind the scenes inside radio here because my show is nine to noon. A lot of the best interviews we did was after the show. So Stubb was staying around, working extra hours, so we could record interviews with Annie Agar, with Doug Williams, uh, with you know all the great guests that we had. I, you know, who I really liked was Jake Plummer. And do you know the story about Jake Plummer? So Jake, Jake the Snake, Jake Plummer, right? Went to ASU, really cool guy. Then Arizona, that's when I first remember him uh, playing with the Cardinals against the Commanders, or the Skins back then. Then he went to Denver and had a really good career. Well, since then, 
He's been the weed guy promoting cannabis. <laughs> but when I interviewed him, he had moved past cannabis and he was promoting right, he, fungus. Yeah, he and, was talking about his fungus and mushrooms. And I was I was thrown off by it. And I didn't realize when I took the picture with him, he put his arm on my shoulder. Everyone was zooming in at his fingernails because he had them painted different colors. Well, He's doing a Caleb Williams bit. Yeah, yeah. He's doing a different bit. Dudes paint their nails yeah, now. Yeah. I know. I don't have a problem with yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Right? I, 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 yeah. I got no issue with I'm this. I'm just out of college. If you're going to throw have... for 30 touchdowns a year, I'm in. You can All do whatever right. you yes, want. Yes, absolutely. So phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Let's go back to the phone lines. We got Dolphin Dave. What's going on, Dolphin Dave? Hey, well, it was great to hear you out there, and I have one very pressing question. Yes. Is Annie Agar as hot as she looks on video? Even hotter. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you, you, did you, did you like that interview? <laughs> I, thought the, I, I was, you know what, I don't get to listen much on the rate. Actually, I, I listened afterwards because I was at work. But when I was, I, I went right back that afternoon to listen to that interview. It was actually a phenomenal. First, I was very jealous you were meeting her. <laughs> and then the other thing is, um, and the other thing was, was you know, the, the history, honestly, is interesting because I didn't know who, of all the people that turned me on towards my daughter, uh, <laughs> just happened to catch it. And she's the one that starts sending me the TikTok videos. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought it was a great interview. And I thought what she does, I mean, that has got to be difficult to do to write that. I don't know if she's got other writers, but to write that and actually just film that. And like I think she said that she tried to get it done by Tuesday afternoon, if I remember that interview right. So, um, no, it was a great interview, but I was very, very jealous because, <laughs> you know, I not only do I hang on to all her words, I hang on and watching her while she does it. No, so, she, you know. she's impressive. I'll, I'll give you a little in, inside information uh, about Annie. Look, she, it's impressive because here's what she has that other girls don't. There's a lot of girls that have like become NFL influencers, and they go to the games, and they look hot, and they take photos, and they interview the players, and it's all about looking hot. And Annie looks hot, but while being a stand-up comedian and trying to be funny. And, that you know, stand-up comedy is the hardest thing in the entertainment industry. You're up there on stage without a guitar. You're just using your own voice trying to be funny. And so I, that's what I thought was so impressive is that she, she might, you know, swing and miss on some of these jokes, but it doesn't affect her um, from keep going. And here's another little insight, Dolphin Dave. After the interview, all right, uh, we hung out a little bit, and, and we talked, and then the next day, I ran into her, and she was like, Adam, how are you? She actually gave me her phone number, and we were going to go uh, shoot craps at MGM, <laughs> and then I actually, oh. I uh, <laughs> I turned down Annie Agar to go see you 2 at the Sphere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? That would have been a tough thing for me. Yeah. Uh, that's right? a tough call. Right? I really like I really like you too, but I really like her too. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that, you that, too, that, but I like her you too. Been, <laughs> I like her. Uh, that, that would have been a tough call. Yeah. But before you go, I have to tell you this one. You're talking about Jake Plummer. Yeah. And she, he was now he was doing uh, mushrooms basically. Yeah. You know what? The one guy they met this mushroom that was a real jerk, but actually they found out he was a fun guy. Who? It did a joke. Wait, that was a joke. He said fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all right. It went over my head. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Sorry Dave. Sorry, Dave. I'm not, I'm not that bright. <laughs> you tried. You tried. All right, we'll talk to you later. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. So I was at Vegas but did not stay for the big game. But how about the story of these 
pals, three guys that have been to every single Super Bowl. Here's the story. Most people would consider themselves lucky to get to one big game, but three men are the last three surviving members of the Never Miss a Super Bowl Club. They have been to everyone. It is Tom Henschel, 80 years old, Don Crisman, 85, and Gregory Eaton, 82. They were in Vegas. Uh, they saw the Super Bowl this past weekend, and there was a whole story about them on CNN. They say this year was the fifth game that the three men have attended together. The $2,500 tickets are a bit more than the $12 it cost them to attend Super Bowl One back in 1967. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a, it's a slight increase. They, they were interviewed and they said, when I hit 25, I knew maybe I could hit 40. And then I hit 40 and I said, I really have to hit 50. Now their goal is 60. They have been to all 58 of the Super Bowls. I think I think it's a great bit. Like I, Me and my friends, I'll, I'll give Connor and, and Kevin a shout-out. We go to every A-10 conference tournament for VCU, right? right. Been to Brooklyn yep. almost every year. Went to Pittsburgh that one year. Went to Washington, D.C. We've done this every year since 2011 when I started at VCU, and they were in the CAA tournament. So we're at what now? 13 in a row? All That's right, pretty not good. Bad. But not 58 level. And it's a conference tournament not nearly as cool as the Super Bowl. <laughs> But it's yeah, something. That's, it's it's cool to have a tradition with your friends like that. It is. It's it's an expensive one. Yeah. It's not it's not one most people could afford. For sure. To for do sure. It, unless we go back to the, oh, twelve dollars. I know. Can I you? know, right? <laughs> to get to a Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. My dad and I went to one skins game every year. Uh, for probably the first 25 years of my life. Because we had 17 years in a row we were season ticket holders, and before and after that we would just go uh, to a game. But, yeah, I, you got to love the Never Miss a Super Bowl Club. And we'll tweet out the photos at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. They have these awesome custom-made jackets that say Super Bowl 58 Las Vegas, do. and it says Never Miss a Super Bowl Club. <laughs> It's a cool club. How do you think their wives feel every year? Oh, I'm going to meet up with Don and Greg again. This year we're going to Vegas. Hey, at that point, if they're 80, they probably aren't working. They're, yeah. they're home together every other day. They can they can take a little trip to, to Kansas. I mean, to Vegas. Yeah. I love the end of the article. It says, despite their advanced age, health concerns, <laughs> and the ever-increasing cost of attendance, the triumvirate gather again this year in Vegas for Super Bowl 58, driven by their love of the game and the thrill of getting together each year. They come out to enjoy the game, even if their favorite teams don't make it. As this year's case, Eaton's beloved Lions fell just oh. short. Uh, I believe Don is... Um, a pa uh, Patriots fan. Okay. So they probably seen, hate him. Yeah, I know, right? He's seen a lot of victories of Tom Brady. So good, good <laughs> oh, for him. Poor Lions guy. Yeah. So I guess there were more members of the club, but these are the th the last three surviving members oh. of the never miss a Super Bowl club. Yeah, I mean, if you've been to fifty eight, right? You, there's no way you started going when you were like eighteen, right? So you're probably at least twenty, which means you've got to be at least seventy eight or older. That's that's wild. You got yeah. You can't really recruit yeah any new members. Yeah, I know, right? Now shout out to those three. I just love how it's like it's a good friends bit, right? Yeah. What they should have done is they should should have dressed up in Vegas as Alan from The Hangover and done bits like that because that's what Jason Kelsey did. Did you see that picture? I did not see that. He dressed up as Alan. Everybody was doing Hangover bits all week long. I kind of loved it. Like as soon as we got to Caesar's Palace, we were like, is this the real Caesar's Palace? You know, uh, we were, Michael Phillips was like, 
Uh, don't lose AWOD. Check the roof. You know, we're, we're all doing hangover. I love the hangover. Week. I didn't realize how much cultural relevance it still oh, had. That oh, enough yeah. People are still doing oh, hangover yeah. bits. Somebody walked around with a fake baby. Right, they were doing that bit. <laughs> I know. Then, then even during pregame of the Super Bowl, the whole CBS broadcast was doing a fake hangover like movie. And mm-hmm. who they call for advice? Ed Helms. <laughs> and Ed was like, "Make sure you check the roof." And he was like, "Oh God, please don't tell me you had a face tattoo." <laughs> All right, good, good, good for the hangover. Good hangover I'm glad. Bits. I'm yeah. glad that it's it's pervade. I think the Super Bowl Vegas was such a big deal that the writers might be getting together for Hangover Four. Back they to do. Vegas. The legacy sequel is big right now. Right? Which I'm against. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I will say, I didn't <laughs> like the one that was in Thailand. That's the one I, I did not I've only not seen like. the original. You've only seen the original? I've only seen the original. Well, I've heard hole. three isn't worth watching. Oh, it's not, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's not a hole. Yeah. The Hangover 2 isn't a, isn't a hole. I think you have to see it. Like, have you seen uh, Harold and Kumar? No. You see, you have to see all the Harold and Kumars. <laughs> Even the Christmas one that's... Awful, and it's in 3D. You have to see every movie you've ever seen. You think that I have to? If you're a fan, if you consider yourself a fan of the series, right? You have to see all the Hangovers. You have to see all the Harold and Kumars, or you have to see all the Fast and Furiouses. I do not have to see all the Fast and (laughs) Furiouses. I'm comfortable with like the five I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Phone lines are open eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. The Commanders. Have hired their head coach. There's hired. They've hired their offense coordinator, their special teams coach, and yesterday they hired Pagano to be a senior defensive coach. It's the Richmond Commander coming up next.